0: everyone. After a little bit of a hiatus, we're back. My name is Mike Dice. I'm Elias. Another edition of the Extra Rounds podcast. Uh, this week we have quite the uh, all-star lineup for our, our comeback episode in October. It was a weird month in M- May and September, even though there was UFC 215. It was kind of um, quiet, all things considered.
1: I think it was mostly quiet because we weren't on. If we had been on, it just would have been a riot fest. It would have been the right. talk of the sporting world.
0: Well, after summer and the whole May with the McGregor thing,
1: you know, it was probably
0: busy. It's just not what we were used to being bludgeoned with yeah. over the summer. But um, coming back, we have three guests today. We have Paul Felder, uh, who's going to call in in about eight minutes. Um, we have Colby Covington, who's going to call in in about 20 minutes after the hour. And then at about 45 minutes past the hour, we're going to have Jimmy Rivera. Um. Uh, call in, so um, it's it's an exciting lineup. Heck yeah! Uh, you know, first and foremost, UFC two sixteen this weekend. Mm. Um, so let's kind of get a little bit of talk about that. Paul Felder's working the Fox broadcast, so he's going to break down that with us and kind of talk about what he's doing with Fox. Um, but. It's an interesting card. Uh, two title fights because of the incident at 215 with Demetrius Johnson. We have Tony Ferguson fighting Kevin Lee for the interim lightweight t- or interim lightweight title in the main event, and then Demetrius Johnson fighting um, Ray Borg for the flyweight title and the record uh, for title yeah. defenses in the co-main. So. First of all, what's your thought on this? Well, you know, everybody seems to always judge cards based on how stacked they are and whatnot. Where do you see this one on that scale?
1: Oh, it's a great card. There's great fights on it. There's important fights on it. Uh, You know, the whole interim tag on lightweight, for any number of reasons, probably similar to many of the fans out there, that's that's annoying, right? Uh, But Ferguson versus Lee is a great fight. Uh, That's phenomenal. Uh, Demetrius Johnson exercising in his gym would be worth uh, watching as far as i'm concerned he's 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 uh he's just an amazing fighter he's fighting a really tough dangerous pretty big uh challenger and there's history on the line like you said so i think it's great i mean i think those two fights alone make it worthwhile uh, and i think the undercard is 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 just fine as well so yeah I, i like it
0: which one are you more looking forward to? I think there was a lot of discussion about which title fight should be the main event. And I think a lot of people felt the interim lightweight title got the nod because it's going to be more
1: exciting. Mm. Do you see one as more exciting than the other? Uh, There's no way of knowing. I'm assuming it got the nod as punishment to Demetrius Johnson for being vocal uh, to the UFC and critical of them um, on all sorts of issues. Um, You know, it wasn't very long ago that Dana White allegedly uh, according to Johnson was, was threatening to get rid of the entire division just because uh, Demetrius wouldn't fight, you know, an unranked uh, non-flyweight um, on short notice. So, yeah, I'm assuming it's actually just to, to, to punish Demetrius Johnson. I, there's no way of there's way, no way of knowing. I think either fight could be exciting. Demetrius Johnson has a really amazing uh, finishing rate, pretty much as good as it gets as far as champions go. He's, he's really up there, and he's always moving every fight. He's able to do everything at any given moment, so that's always exciting. I think Tony Ferguson uh, and, and Kevin Lee should be a lot of fun. I, I, I'm assuming Kevin Lee is going to try to get this to the ground. I don't think it will be easy for him. But, yeah, you never know. You never know which one will be more titillating. I think they're both very interesting fights. I think if I had to guess, I'm guessing Kevin Lee and Tony Ferguson might be a little bit more evenly matched, but who knows even there.
0: Yeah, the, uh, the thing about Demetrius Johnson and Ray Borg is neither one of them, Are are big trash talkers. I always think Demetrius Johnson, as far as when he when he speaks, he's very um, intelligent, first of all. But he's always very um, straightforward and and logical. You know what I mean. He doesn't talk in a lot of extremes or um, the trash talk. You know, if you ask him a question, he asks. He typically answers it pretty reasonably. Um, He he doesn't give the sound bites. Maybe it's the veteran savvy uh, of him or whatnot. But you know, Lee. Coming off of everything that happened at the press conference uh, right before USC 211 and Chiesa and the post-fight interview with Ferguson, there just seems to kind of be this hype, hype uh, surrounding that fight. And, uh, you know, Lee's kind of just kind of come out of nowhere to become the star. Um,
1: yeah, he, get, he makes it easy to quote him, right? I think the, Demetrius Johnson, obviously, like, you know, we were, we were chatting off air about this, talking to anyone Talking to most people, fight week uh, is not going to be unless they're a huge trash talker, like Kevin Lee. It's not going to generate you know big, big headline-worthy, buzz-worthy quotes. Uh, Demetrius Johnson s- gives some really interesting, thoughtful answers. I'd say outside of fight week, when he when when he's talking about like his his interests outside of the fight, when he's talking about um, family life, martial arts, when he and he gives some really quotable quotes. Uh, when uh, and he 's done so a lot in the last year when he 's been critical of the u f c how much reporters beat reporters want to quote that back and actually then dig in and and, and examine those issues that's that 's more on them so he 's very quotable, but not usually in terms of talking trash about his opponents, which is like the easy thing for for us to to pick on and yeah, I mean shoot, I know we were chatting about this like it, it, i I know you do too, even though we 've done it here, we kind of feel bad talking to someone week of a fight when they're cutting weight it's tough and sometimes it's tough to get really like you know glimmering gold out of them and i know i know it's it from everything i've been hearing from folks it's it's been kind of difficult to get amazing like catchy one-line zingers from him this week but
0: there's two types of things like when you do these interviews you want like the headline quote like mm -hmm. flow combat had a good one from michael bisping and his interview with Damon martin Mm -hmm. um about Freddie Roach, like that, you know, like you can craft a headline. The other, there's, there's like a story to be told and it kind of ends up... But the, the thing is, like, that doesn't always get the attention. Those things right. don't get the attention they don't deserve because the headline doesn't grab you. Mm. It's just kind of, I guess, the way culture is in terms of everything. We want everything so quick and um, digestible in, in pieces. Yeah,
1: that's certainly one of the things, I mean, that, that sometimes it happen. I think media can have a big role in, in, in crafting that. I remember this is not... I mean, this isn't a sound... You know, self-aggrandizing. I don't mean it to be. It is, I guess. But I remember one of one of the some of the biggest uh, pleasant surprises I've had is how well like some long-form stuff that I've done, uh, you know, has performed just traffic-wise. You know, to say nothing of, am I happy with it? Is it good or whatever? I remember Luke Rockhold. We put out this like when I was at Fox Sports, we put out this like six thousand-word thing on Luke Rockhold um, that had that had nothing. Like even newsworthy or buzzy or catchy, and um, it was week it came out the week of the fight. The day it came out, it was the it was before UFC 199. 199. It was the the most well uh, trafficked English language UFC related piece of content out there, and you know uh, ranked by Google the, the entire day. So I think there's a you know there's there's an, and there's many great things out there. Things like you know whole sites and verticals dedicated to stuff like that. So I think I think it takes you know uh, media members willing and able to tell that story, you know, and you always are, for example, you always, you do a great job with news and editing, But you all, you'll spend time, you'll go to camps, you know, you'll spend time and fight weeks with people, I, I think it takes, I think it takes people, uh, I, think, I think it takes good storytellers, um, for sure, people want a quick digestible stuff, but that's mostly what they're being given, too. Yeah, definitely, uh, I, but the thing
0: about, like, uh, you mentioned going to camps and whatnot, I think that kind of gives a good um, understanding and context for when you're going to I know I got to spend a little bit of time with Paul Felder When he fought Edson Barboza in Chicago um, And it's given me a little bit of an insight Especially to uh, what he's about to do mm-hmm. with Fox um, So that's that's uh, exciting to to look forward to
1: Yeah, it's uh, kind of cool Just even off air you were telling me some stuff About uh, about Paul Felder that I didn't know about at all I mean, maybe it's been written about but uh, Other than you But I know the fact that you've spent time with him Brings that to bear
0: That's the thing There's like so, you know we get so focused on the sport and what's going on that we forget that, like, like us, uh, the fighters have just so much more to them than just, yes. um, particular being, you know, being fighters and competing in the cage. But I believe we have Paul Felder on the line. Paul, are you there? Yes, sir. Hey, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out to talk to us during a, a busy week for you. No problem. So we know that you're doing the Fox broadcast. This is kind of a gig that you've been uh, campaigning for, that you've wanted. I, I know personally I was telling um, my co-host, Elias, that uh, when I met you in Chicago for, ahead of your Edson Barboza fight, you were telling me kind of about your theater background. How that kind of prepared you for this Fox uh, debut? Well, you know, I've just always been comfortable
2: doing things on the fly and kind of being in the moment and, and, uh, you know, working with scripts and, and hitting marks and doing, you know, hitting cameras and all that kind of stuff that's in studio is stuff I've worked with before. I've been in front of cameras, I've been in studios, um, and, you know, and I know how to, I know how to speak without, you know, I, I know how to speak to people in an audience as opposed to just kind of having a mumbly conversation with somebody or, you know, I know that, I know how to talk about topics and things like that. I mean, going to school for theater, you know, you do two, three-hour productions in front of an audience live. you got to roll with that thing as it's going, man. You can't stop and be like, oh, wait a minute, I messed up. You you, you learn to kind of roll with the punches, so to speak. No pun intended with the crossover
0: <laughs> fighting there. Have you kind of uh, dedicated some energy to trying to figure out like what kind of analyst you're going to be, or what what kind of um, unique angle or style you're going to bring, or is it just kind of feeling out the moment?
2: Just yeah, definitely just going going with the moment and, and kind of having fun with it, you know, and, and just being me. Um, Fights excite me. I get very excited when I watch fights at home, when I'm by myself. I flip out, I love it. And I kind of feel like that kind of carries over into my my color work when I did the color commentary. I can't help it. You know, when something crazy happens in a fight, it's actually even hard for me to really stop myself from cursing and kind of losing it because I love this sport. I loved it before I even was doing it. You know, I've I've, uh, been a martial artist my whole life. It's something I get very into. So uh, I just try to bring that to the table, bring my, my excitement for this guys in there and my respect as a, as a fellow athlete with them and um, yeah I feel like I've got a sense of humor and I know how to joke as well too you know what I mean I, I can be a goofball so uh, yeah it's fun like, I hope to work with guys like you know Cormier who's a nut and uh, you know it's working with Cruz who's kind of got that dry you know you don't know if he's messing with you or making funny you kind of sense of humor with things so it's fun to, to just play around and, and learn from everybody too.
0: New. This, I feel like the Fox role, at least for fighters, is kind of like a coveted gig. How hard was it for you to kind of crack the door in and get this shot?
2: Well, I, um, uh, you know, I just randomly got the audition for the contender series thing. That went well. I had fun with that. I loved everybody in the production with that. It was just a really good starting point for me. And then from there, obviously, I got the small four fight deal with the, the uh, Pittsburgh fights. And that night, um, I had got a uh, an email when I got back to my hotel room saying that you know a desk offer you know here's here's the deal do you want it and so and obviously it didn't take long for me to get that offer that was that night that was the Pittsburgh fight night.
1: Paul, this is uh, Elias here. Thanks again for for being on. As over the years, as as a fighter, when you watch fights, you watched fights be called. You talked about some of the folks you're interested in working with without naming names, obviously. On, on, on the other side, what are some of the things that have bothered you most uh, in terms of the way fights have been called over time uh, in any way, whether it's maybe lack of knowledge of the sport, whether it's you know maybe not having empathy for fighters or anything else? What, what are some of the things you think you're, you're going you're to try to bring to bear that you feel have been missing?
2: one of the things I think that the UFC is doing and I like it and the direction that they're going is they're getting more fighters involved and fighters weren't still active, fighters who are hired and every other sports organization that we follow uh, in the U S particular, baseball, basketball, football, that's what happens. These guys that know the sport best, the ins and outs that happen to be well-spoken and can do the job. You know, not everybody can do this because not everybody is comfortable doing it. But if you can find the athletes that are comfortable and want to do it, they're gonna give you the best point of view that can possibly, you know, get brought to you as an audience because we have been in that octagon and we've been elbowed, we've been submitted, we've been punched and we've been kicked in the liver. We know exactly how everything feels. And, you know, as long as you can be intelligent and kind of analyze things on top of that, you're the best guy for the job. And it seems to be that's where they're going with it more. Not that anybody in the past hasn't been great, it's just, I think having some regular people and talented broadcast people or, you know, actors and stuff doing it as well is great, but you got to mix in the talent and the, and the people from the actual organization, just like football, NFL, they retire, they're on the desk, they're all sitting around, they're all talking about the game, they're all talking about, you know, which teams are this, and they argue because they're from, you know, the Cowboys, to the Broncos guy, to the Eagles guy, now we kind of have that kind of going on a little bit now. We got me, you got Formia, you got Cruz, you know, and then we got Anakin and Rogan and, and people squeezed in there, and that makes for a good conversation.
0: Now, let's get your thoughts on UFC 216 and kind of get a preview of this analysis you're going to bring to this uh, event. Uh, which fight or fighter on this card are you looking forward to the most? Well, obviously,
2: it goes without saying that as a lightweight, I'm very intrigued by this, the main event with Tony Ferguson and Kevin because that's my division. That's going to be the new champ. When he boosts the tension you going to face Conor McGregor. But aside from that, there's a few other lightweight matchups uh, as well on the card. So, I mean, obviously, Daniel Dariush and Evan Dunham, um, uh, that's a great matchup. and you know you got Will Brooks and, and Lance, um, uh, Landon and, uh, and Bobby Green. So, out of them, though, I would say and yeah, the Neo fight is probably one of the ones I'll really be um, eyeing up just because I feel like that's very much in the realm of where I'm at as a fighter. I think on some days I'm ranked 20, some days I'm ranked 20, whatever, and they're you know, just in the top 15. So it's something I'm aspiring to get to very soon. So I'll be watching that one very closely.
0: And, you know, Demetrius Johnson is on the precipice of setting a UFC, you know, a UFC record if he can be, uh, beat Ray Borg. Uh, I feel like a lot of people aren't giving Ray Borg much of a chance. What's your take on it? What can he do to win this fight? Man,
2: I think he's really just got to bite down on that damn out guard and go and get into a fight as hard as he can and go for Brooke because the worst thing you can do with a guy like Demetrius Johnson is be worried about him. And he's going to bring it to you and he's going to be good. You know that. You know that you're not getting a chance. You know nobody's giving you a shot. So what do you have to lose? I think when you have a fight like that, that's what makes you dangerous if you approach it with the right uh, mental you know, fortitude and go in there and say, I'm going out on my shield. It's what people expect. Well, I'm taking him out as hard as I can. And I think Ford, you know, he's young, he's hungry. If he comes with that mind mindset, he could be a dangerous guy in that hockey on that night.
0: Do you see him as the guy who could stop the streak?
2: I mean, I personally, if I had to, you know, do my analyst work can take my pick, I'm obviously leaning towards, you know, Demetrius Johnson, going to break the record, and he's going to go on to be one of the greatest of all time. And if he starts switching divisions, maybe he even goes up a weight class, I think he's probably going to go down, especially statistically as the greatest UFC champion until somebody can ever catch up to
0: him. And... In the main event, Ferguson Lee, I think a lot of people see Ferguson as well-rounded. They both obviously have this rec, uh, wrestling background. Who's kind of the favorite in your mind in this in this fight? Yeah, man,
2: I do think it's really close. I think they're both very talented in the same areas with the wrestling. And they're a very good submission guy. I've been giving, when I heard about the matchup, at first I thought it was a little lopsided for Ferguson. and As the fight. I, I, you know, I, I think about it. I watch the fights. I, I, I hear their interviews, and you start thinking more and more about it. I think it's way closer than I originally thought. Now uh, I'm giving him mm-hmm. way, way, way more credit. Now um, I do think he's super talented, but I think the edge for me is Ferguson. I just think there's something about him. There. He he gets it done, and he's tough, and he's funky, weird, in all the right ways to be a really good fighter. You know what I mean? He he's not afraid to get in there and get hit. He's really talented on the ground. He's almost impossible to hold down for too long without him throwing a submission on you. And you look back at, like, the Castillo fight, he thought he won because he had him down on the ground. But Ferguson was throwing up submissions left and right. And uh, if he does that with Lee, even if he's on his back, he could be winning the fight. And um, I think his striking is so damn unorthodox and effective that he could give uh, uh, a guy like Kevin Lee a little bit of trouble.
0: A lot of people, uh, you know, see Ferguson, and he's been in the UFC longer. He's fought bigger names, former lightweight champion Rafael Dos Anjos. Uh, Kevin Lee doesn't have necessarily a sterling of a uh, resume when it comes to that in that regard. Is that something that's kind of overplayed by fans, or do you think that's a real uh, factor in this fight? Well, we'll find out, right? But hmm. I do
2: think that it's a factor. I think maybe it's being looked at by some people too much and by some of them that are, you know, closed and you know, see might mock the map with Ferguson. I think they're not giving him enough credit. I mean, Ferguson has been in there with Rafael dos Santos for five rounds at altitude in Mexico City. That's, that takes guts, that takes heart, and that takes, you know, mad, mad work ethic throughout camp to be able to go 25 minutes the way that he did and make the former champ kind of look like he wasn't in his league for a while there. <clears throat> That's not easy to do, man. Every time Ferguson's been counted out, he comes in and he's dominant. Um, he's been one of those guys that I think everybody was like, oh well, he got through that one, but wait till he fights this guy. And he's just kind of climbed up slowly, getting these nine flight win streaks, and now he's fighting to the belt. And um to you know, the truth, yes, he probably could be even, uh, and more right? he can't stay healthy, and it's a shame, you know, that we never really could see how that would have worked out. But, I think, uh, yeah, I think that it, when you go those wars like that with, with guidance the caliber, the of the caliber that we the facing, it gives you that edge.
0: Well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out to talk to us. Best of luck to you on the uh, broadcast. Can't wait to watch.
2: Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, you know, I appreciate the time, and um, yeah, I'm, I, I can't wait to get there tomorrow and, and uh, try out the desk and, and have some fun.
1: Have a great show. Thanks, buddy.
0: Fascinating stuff there with uh, Paul Felder um, talking uh, about the uh, the fights and his broadcast. The theater experience is going to be real interesting. It really gives him a heads up on a lot of other um, yeah. a, a lot of other fighters who are uh, trying to get that um, that Fox broadcasting gig. You know, he's kind of got that theater experience he's accustomed to it right now. Uh, but now oh. we're welcoming Colby Covington to the show. Colby, how are you? Hey, what's
3: going on, guys? I'm doing good. How are you doing?
0: Doing well. Doing well. How's everything in uh, South Florida?
3: Uh it's going good, man. It's getting back to normal weather after this hurricane, so I can't complain. I'm not. I'm not running around crazy, you know, worrying about a hurricane anymore. Now I can get back to training.
0: What did you um? What did you do when the hurricane was coming? Did you stay? Did you leave?
3: I ended up evacuating. Uh, I went up to a military base up in Virginia. I'd already kind of had it scheduled, so I actually got lucky, you know, that I was able to go see the the Army and the Air Force base up at uh, Joint Base Langley-Eustis in uh, Virginia. So, you know, I got pretty lucky to get out of the state because, you know, a lot of flights got canceled and uh, people were running around with their heads chopped off.
0: Did, were you able to keep training or did you just kind of have like a weird couple days where you weren't doing much of anything except for like cardio and what you could do?
3: Yeah, man, it, it was unfortunate. I kind of lost a week of training because I was actually supposed to come home Sunday from the trip but because uh, I left Wednesday, but I wasn't able to come home till Wednesday. So I lost a week of training. I was just running up there and stuff. So it was unfortunate, but, you know, it was good, too, because I got a lot of motivation that, that I drew from the troops and, you know, they gave me a lot of motivation going forward.
0: And everything with your home and uh, the ATT facilities, everything was fine?
3: Yeah, everything was good. Luckily, um, you know, actually, my car got kind of lucky because there was a tree that fell on a car, like pretty close to my car. So I got pretty lucky that no trees fell on my car. But, uh, you know, the American top team, you know, the guy that owns it, Dan Lambert, he's a smart dude. So when he built it, he knew to put up, you know, hurricane proof Mm. windows and, and make a hurricane proof facility.
0: Yeah, I imagine uh, trying to board up a bunch of windows at a gym would be a hard task with uh, how big these facilities can
1: be. That one's gigantic. I haven't been there. Yet. What's it was a 40, 40,000 square feet or something like that, Colby.
3: Yeah, it's it's ginormous, man. We got like twenty dorms upstairs. You know, there's a there's a juice bar. There's a there's a there's a cycling studio. You know, it's, I mean, a full a full weight system, couple octagons. It's ginormous. Man.
0: Now, have you traveled and kind of seen the setup at uh, other a lot of other gyms that uh, have you know, professional UFC, MMA fighters uh, training at? And if so, how much uh, do you feel that that facility at American Top Team gives those athletes an advantage over their opponents?
3: Uh, yeah, I've been to a couple of facilities. You know, I went to Alpha Male and trained a little bit, and I, I was training up in Quest a while ago when, when they had their team going in Portland, Oregon. But, uh, you know, it's a huge advantage, you know, just having the – the, the resources that we do at American top team, you know, that type of gym, you know, it's, you know, you always want to be careful when you're training for big fights, you know, cause there's always someone spying trying to videotape or trying to get looks at what, how you're preparing for your, for your style that you're going to fight and your game plan. So, you know, it take, it's a huge advantage cause there's private rooms in American top team that you can go into and, and literally no one can see what you're doing because, it, you know, it's a completely closed off room from the gym. So, you know, it's, it's nice you know you got a full full octagon in there, so you can get the the feel of what it's going to be like on Fight Night, you know the spacing of the cage and whatnot and and you know it's just you know it's it's world class facility, but you know you know on the same end of the spectrum, you know there's nothing like training in a rocky style gym where you're just in a garage and you're <laughs> just pushing hard you know you can't you can't take that for granted either
0: the American top team's definitely a little bit more rocky three than Rocky one, <laughs>
3: yeah, for sure. <laughs> um,
1: Hey, Colby, uh, Elias here. It's uh, my first hands getting to chat with you. I've, I've spent a, a, a lot of time, and we've also had him on the show with with Mike Brown. And over, you know, for the last for the last bit now, he's always been super, super uh, high on you, and, and really trying to get word out on you, uh, even before uh, maybe the larger world started paying attention. <laughs> so I've always heard nothing but great things about you, and, and obviously Mike's never like bad anyone so I'm always I've always been curious from afar when, when I see like even recently like interviews from you and you're and you're coming out and and you're you're, you're throwing fire at, at Tyron Woodley and, and what's the what's the origin of this of this tension between you and he I mean obviously you're both high-ranking welterweights and he's a champ but I mean it seems like there's got to be something more to it than that Man,
3: I I honestly I, I I hated his personality the second I met him. You know, I just I knew he was a fake person the second I met him. You know, he, you know, the fir- the first time I saw an American Top Team, he kind of knew who I was through the wrestling world. You know, and um, you know he kind of gave me the cold shoulder, acted like he was too good. But then when he needed me to help him out for a training camp to get ready, you know, then he oh he's my best friend. Oh Colby, hey, I'll do this for you. I can do this. Like oh man, I'll help you out with your career. I'll. I'll I'll give you PR, I'll do this and that, you know, I'll, I'll show you the ins and outs that can help market you and get your name out there and big, but then, like, as soon as I get to the UFC, then then it's just back to the cold shoulder. he doesn't, he acts like he doesn't know who I am, and, you know, he's just, he's a fake person, man, if you met the guy, he's just, he's honestly fake, he's the fakest person I've ever met, like, he says all this stuff in the media, you know, and it's just, it's all lies, and I'm just sick of him playing the victim role, you know, that's his... He loves to play the victim. Oh, I'm the victim. Oh, everybody's racist because they don't want to see me fight. Oh, everybody's wants to be racist because they don't like how I fight. You know, it's just you know he's just he's pathetic. You know, I just I hate hearing the guy talk. And and honestly, it's just it's an easy matchup. You know, he knows what comes with me as an opponent and what happened when we used to train in the gym. And it's not pretty for him. So obviously, he's not going to give me a platform. He's going to try to not put my name out of his mouth as much as he can because he knows. There's not a tougher matchup in the world than me and he knows what I'll do to him
1: what's what's the atmosphere like i mean w- when when you've got you as a top contender rising up and 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 being vocal and being super critical professionally personally about about woodley i mean what is i mean do people tell you hey Colby, you know don't don't talk about Tyron that much do people agree with you is it a, not really a, a thing you hear about i mean that's just that's a peculiar thing. I remember when, when he and Robbie Lawler, when when Robbie was on the team, you're ready to fight. When I would talk to people off the record, um, you know, it, it, there was there was interesting things being said. Like, what's what's the what's the situation there? Do you guys not consider him really a part of? I'll, I'll let you speak for yourself. Do you not really consider him a part of uh, of the team? Do you not even really consider him a teammate? Or is it kind of awkward?
3: No, he, I don't consider him in any shape or form a teammate. He, uh, he trains in St. Louis, man. He doesn't come to American Top Team down in Coconut Creek, the main academy. He's been down to the main academy once in the last two years. He, he spends most of his time in Milwaukee at Duke Rufus so and training with those guys. So I, I can't consider a guy like that my teammate. He's not in the gym day in and day out in Coconut Creek, Florida, American Top Team headquarters training with us. So, you know, I don't consider that a guy – guy, a training partner anymore? Yeah, we used to train together, you know, four years ago, three years ago. But, but that's a that's a thing of the past. You know, we're talking about the present. If we're talking about the present, present, the guy's in St. Louis. He's in Duke Rufus. So, you know, I, I don't hear anything from anybody. I think a lot of the people are happy what I'm saying about him because I'm saying facts and I'm saying truth. I'm not. This ain't. These aren't things I'm just making up. A lot of things I'm saying. This is truth, and and a lot of people agree with me, and and a lot of people want to see me fight him to shut his mouth. So. You know, uh, you know, I, I'm not hearing anything from anybody. I think everybody's agreeing with me.
1: You got so we're talking about uh, Tyron Woodley with Colby Covington. You've got uh, the last man to, to fight him up next for yourself and Damian Maya. You know, leaving leaving, I guess you know, uh, personal opinions aside, when you look when you watch that fight, Colby, were, were you impressed by, by either Maya or Woodley, and when they fought one another in, in any way?
3: No, I wasn't impressed with with any of them I think they're both aging fighters I think they're both on their way out they they got their last couple fights that are left in the gas tank and I feel like I'm the guy to expose those guys and and put them out to retirement so you know Tyrone Woodley doing what I what I know he's always gonna do throw only a couple punches in a fight and hope for a miracle haymaker shot to knock someone out but if he doesn't get it he's mentally weak you know he fights safe he plays the safe game he's gonna back up back up and try and throw one punch and and make guys you know get in their head that he's a physical specimen but he can't do that against me I'm I'm gonna put him in a tough fight I'm gonna put him up against the cage I'm gonna make him work I'm gonna gonna break his mentally will you know he, he can't hang in the octagon with me for five rounds I promise you that he won't make it to five rounds he'll quit and that's what he did in the gym, and that's what he'll do in the octagon. And Damian I the same thing is going to go for him. He's not going to be able to last with me. He's going to shoot those takedowns, and he's going to get tired. But, you know, I'm not going to be backing up, you know, playing it safe like Tyrone Woodley because I got gas in the tank still. He's going to shoot those takedowns, and he's going to get tired, and then I'm going to pick him apart. I'm going to finish him. I'm going to lay him to rest in his home country. I'm going to do all his fans, all his family All his friends of Sao Paulo, Brazil. I'm gonna do them a favor. I'm gonna put him to rest in his home country, so they can all thank me later.
0: You uh, you mentioned fighting in his home country. You're you're on this four and fight streak. You fought um, in Canada. You fought in Asia. Uh, You know, are you starting to relish this kind of going into enemy territory and fighting their guy?
3: I love it, man. It's it's you know it's a dream come true. What's better than than playing the villain role, going and playing the home spoiler? You know, I. I don't like cheers. I like the booze, man. That's what gets me motivated. I'm, you know, the cheers is cool. Yeah, you know, if you respect me and support me, that's awesome. But the booze, man, that's something that digs deep inside my soul, deep inside my 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 energy that just gives me an overwhelming sense of just, ah, oh, just makes me want to go out there and shut everybody up, prove everybody wrong, and put on a performance, you know, to hear even more booze. So, you know, I, I relish the fact, man. I love it, man. I am the supervillain now. You know, I'm the most hated man in the UFC and and I'm comfortable playing that rule. I got no problems. I didn't come here to make friends. I'm here to be the best fighter in the world. And that's what I am right now. So you guys better make sure you get your bets in quick because by fight time, I'm probably going to be a three to one favorite.
0: It's a
1: Maybe a good nickname change, Colby the Super Villain, Hell uh, yeah. Covington instead of Chaos. That's amazing. We got to go with that, Colby the Super Villain. We got to we got to get that to catch on, man. We got to hashtag gonna... that.
0: Now, it, it, like we said uh, just a moment ago, it's it's your ninth fight in the UFC. You've only lost one of those fights. Um do you, When they finally gave you this Damian Maya fight, were you kind of relieved that like finally I've got this big name opponent? Like they're recognizing where I stand in the division.
3: Ah, uh, you know. I, you know, I had that last fight, Dung Hum Kim, he was a big name, you know, he only lost to three guys, the champion Tyrone Woodley, a former champion, Carlos Condit, and the guy I'm fighting right now, Damian Maia, so this is just another fight like Damien Maia, you know, Dong Hum Kim, and you saw what I did to Dung Hum Kim, that was 30-25, so you don't see that very often in the UFC, so, you know, this is my coming out party with Damian Maia, I can promise you that, you know, Damian Maia, is only a stepping stone to what I'm going to do to Tyrone Woodley next. So, you know, Damien May is just another man in my in my way, and unfortunately, I'm gonna to have to retire him and put him to rest in his home country.
0: I love I love the energy. Um, you know, this would be your fifth win in a row. Like we said, you would have mm-hmm. only had one loss in the UFC. Point. Do you do you feel like with the way that the divisions kind of cleared out that that makes you the unquestioned next contender for Tyrone Woodley?
3: Yes, I do feel like I'm the next contender. I mean, they're trying to say that RDA is next. Come on, man. Who's he beat at beating? World to he beat a guy on a three-fight losing streak in Tarek and the guy, and then he beat a, a guy in Neil Magny who's on another lo- losing streak. He just got knocked out viciously by a Bellator fighter. So, you know, I, I can't consider RDA's resume any stronger than mine. Mine's a lot stronger. I'm a lot more dominant. I've been winning this weight class. And not only that. The UFC knows who's been ducking who RDA ducked me. We were supposed to fight three different times in Singapore and he didn't want to fight So, you know, that's why they put me ahead of him on the card on the main card against Dunham Kim And they put him behind me on the card. So, you know, without question goes to say that I should be next for the welterweight title shot You know, Robbie Lawler, he got knocked out viciously. They can't redo that fight Plus he's old anyways, the guy needs to hang it up. because, You know, he's got a lot of head trauma So, you know, I feel bad for the guy. He needs to hang it up now and Stephen Thompson, he already tried two times, and those are the two most boring welterweight fights in the history of the UFC. So he's not going to be next. So, you know, I'm next in line. And, and what I do to Damian Maya, they'll have no question that I will be next in line. I'm going to retire Damian Maya, and it's going to be a lot more dominant than Tyron Woodley did.
0: Now, I know Woodley's coming off of a, a, an injury or a surgery. I don't know if he's going to be back. Do you think that this happens before the end of the year? Or do you think it happens in the early next year? <laughs>
3: Is he coming off surgery though? You know, he, he he uh he made up a lot of Tyrone Woodley likes to make up a lot of stories to the media. Oh, this, that. You know, yeah, he said his shoulder was hurt. Yeah, he had a he had a bruise on his shoulder or whatnot, but but did he actually get a surgery? Because last last time I checked, I don't think he ended up getting a surgery. I think he was just trying to make excuses for his pathetic performance against Damian. I don't think he really got a surgery. So, you know, we'll have to check the facts with Tyrone Woodley. You don't whenever things come out of Tyrone Woodley's mouth, you always have to check the facts because that guy makes up a lot of lies, so you know, we'll have to check the fights. I don't know if he really was hurt or if he was just trying to get some time to hopefully angle for a bigger money fight, but at the end of the day, the guy's not a money fighter. The guy's the most boring welterweight champ in the UFC history, and he's the weakest champ in the UFC, to be honest, in my opinion right now, so, you know, I don't know if that guy's really injured or if he's just trying to wait out and look for a big fight, but after I beat Damian Maya, you know, I'm hoping to get him as soon as possible. I'll take him in November. I don't, that's how confident I am with Tyrone Woodley. We can go in November at Madison Square Garden the next weekend for all I care. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Colby, thanks so much for taking the time out to talk to us during your, your uh, fight camp. We really appreciate it. We know how busy you are. Um, we really enjoyed having you talk. Uh, we can't wait to have you on the show yeah, again man. in the future after, after this big win against Damian Maya. hopefully.
3: Absolutely, Mike. Thanks for having me, guys. Elias, everybody, uh, thanks a lot, man. Much respect and love to you guys.
1: Take care, Colby.
3: Take care, guys. Talk to you soon.
1: Peace.
0: Colby Covington, if you weren't a fan, he probably just made you a
1: fan. <laughs> or or you, or you hate him as a supervillain. We just got a text from his coach, Mike Brown, who's saying, yeah, he's good at spitting a hot fire. <laughs> yeah, he's uh... in,
0: in and out of the ring. But, you know, I I wanted to ask him about um, this kind of him being vocal on social media lately. You know, I'm not necessarily the person who follows it closely, but it seems like it's come out of, um, you know, nowhere. And I think a lot of times when people when this kind of comes to happen, you see it with um with like Kevin Lee going into this Ferguson fight that people discredited it as, Oh, you're following the Conor McGregor playbook. Are you doing this and that? As if these fighters shouldn't be outspoken and promote sure. themselves. Um, or if, if he's got the, uh, copyright or trademark on <laughs> speaking your mind on, uh, whatever platform you're given. But, um, you know, you can see that this, this is just natural. Like this is just Colby being Colby. There's not any like premeditation or like I need to build my social media following. So I'm going to do this. You know, he's just being himself, and that's ultimately what's caused him to, I feel like, catch on with fans, um, you know, in the past year or so.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know him well, but it certainly seems to come natural to him, right? Like, if he if this isn't the way he hypes himself up, if he's, then he's a hell of an actor. He's a better actor than Paul Felder if, he's, if this isn't actually him. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's I have little doubt, Mike, that, that he is as hyped up as he sounds. I mean, listen... I don't care where they put you on the card, uh, you know, if it's above Rafael Dos Angeles or what your win streak is. Until you're a UFC champion, even then, sadly, you don't get paid all that much money. This guy is a young, hungry, young man, like he—he's trying to eat. You know, like Kimbo would say, he's trying to get his bread right now. Uh, and anyone, even if he didn't have something against him personally, anyone who's ahead of him, anyone who stands in his way he probably has something against them now. You know, he has some animus. So, I mean, I, I have no doubt that he means it. And, uh, you know, he's he's been backing it up so far. This is a really, really um, tough fight for him and Damian Maya. If he beats Damian Maya, I agree with him. He should be the next guy to get get the, uh, no get doubt. the title shot. I mean, you, you really can't deny him at that point. You
0: can't give it to Dos Anjos over a guy who would, at this point, no. be on a five-fight win streak in the welterweight division. Yeah, the I the other thing is, like, the UFC – and fans should all be hoping Colby Covington wins. <laughs> and Damian May is a legend, and he's a, an incredibly nice guy. And nobody wishes like ill will on no. Damian Meyer or anything like that. But you know, he's already fought Tyron Woodley. You know, you need Covington to win mm-hmm. to provide that next entertaining challenger for Tyron Woodley. Well, what like, an angle! Tyron that is. Woodley fighting Colby Covington in a welterweight title fight is super intriguing. It's yeah. the storyline that's out there that everybody um, should be hoping to see, mm. you know, it's going to be entertaining. And you know, what would be really interesting in that build up is Tyron Woodley, when it comes to the media and talking pre-fight, he's very reserved. Mm. Um, and, and I think he's just kind of cautious because, uh, I, you know, maybe it's just all pro athletes are kind of cautious when they're speaking to the media and that thing, because they know how words can be taken out of context. And this site aggregates three sites down the <laughs> line and it gets construed and taken out of context. But, um, you know, the the juxtaposition with Colby, who's not that way, mm-hmm.
1: would be incredibly fascinating. Yeah, see. and I think you would bring it out in, in Woodley, too. Like, Woodley let it go when he was talking, you know, rightly so, uh, talking about racism or criticizing Dana White. Like, he kind of let it rip. So I think he would bring it out in Woodley. I, you know, I think it would be, it would be real fireworks. I think there'd be real personal animus, which would be felt. And I think you're right. It would be an amazing... Uh, amazing buildup for sure and for those of you watching
0: for the first time ever on the show we have somebody work in the chat uh colby uh, mike pendleton not colby covington that'd be something <laughs> colby covington's yeah. in the studio mike, with mike. pendleton's uh, around the corner monitoring the chat but mike, What's up, mike? what were your thoughts on uh, what colby had to say
1: I think that's classic Colby Covington. I think that's everything we see on social media, every interview we ever listen to, That that's him. <laughs> but now I really want him to beat Damian Maya because I want that fight.
0: <laughs> see, that's exactly what I'm talking about, like Colby Covington. Uh, should be the person that everybody's rooting for in this upcoming matchup. Um, it, and, you know, for him to go down to Sao Paulo, like think about like the images that we've seen of fighters going down there and upsetting Brazilian legends, yeah. like Holloway right. with Aldo UFC uh, 213, 12? Yeah, I 12? forget. 2, recently. In June. <laughs> um, you know, it's incredibly fascinating. Colby Covington's an interesting guy, and I think mm. he's he's got a really bright future uh, and – people should stop sleeping on him because mm. he's about he's about to break out but um joining us in a few minutes is uh jimmy rivera another contender um fighting Dominic cruz at ufc 219 that one's booked way far out of advance think about it yeah. this way colby covington if he beats damian maya he very well could be fighting tyron woodley at ufc 219 in las vegas um and that you know which yeah. months away but that fight between him and Dominic cruz is already booked and this is an incredible thing. Uh, Covington, or not Covington, Rivera's only lost once. Um, Cruz has only lost twice. Mm -hmm. You know, they both have 20 plus wins. It's been incredibly, uh, you know, interesting to see Rivera's rise, He came up, he knocked off Uriah Faber at UFC 203 in Cleveland and uh, Thomas Almeida after that. And now he's going to fight Cruz, who's going to be arguably be the biggest test of his career.
1: Yeah, I think. Did he knock him out? Did he knock Faber out? But he beat I uh, know. I think it went to decision. Yeah. He no. I mean, yeah, it's it's very similar, right? Like these these should both be number one contender fights. Um, and and Jimmy Rivera has largely, unfortunately, like kind of flown under the radar. This is his shot. If he beats Dominic Cruz, everyone will realize, even if they didn't prior, uh, you know, just how good he is. Um, he's you know he beat beaten Uriah Faber, a legend, a former champion. Um, a different division, but still. Uh, then beating Thomas Almeida, long time, one of the top contenders, uh, a lot of times for a lot of uh, a lot of years. I'd say for a couple of years, I think a lot of folks thought Almeida was kind of the heir apparent in that division. Certainly super dangerous, and Rivera's handled a lot of handled a lot of different types of challenges. I think he gets a new one, uh, and maybe uh, the next level one against Dominic Cruz. But it's just. It's just a huge, huge fight for when You're right. They actually booked it far in advance. Both men have a, a long time to be thinking about each other, training for each other. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's exciting. It's, it's exciting for for both guys. Dominic Cruz gets to take on uh, or has accepted a challenge of a, of a, of a young a rising contender, instead of just sticking around to fight for the title next, or you know, he, he could. It's he, kind of you know he could do that, but he doesn't have to take on Jimmy Rivera. Conceivably, he could wait for long and fight the, a title fight next. I think he get the shot against Garbrandt. Yeah, if he yeah I mean, if he waited long he long enough, he he would get a, a title fight next. So you know, good on both guys. This is a really tough fight.
0: Yeah, the uh, it's kind of like that old-school meritocracy yeah. that we see in the UFC, the best fighting the best, the Absolutely. thing that they've always built on. Like, And, and you know, we're talking about Covington in the welterweight division where um, now with Thompson and Woodley out of the way and people like uh, Cerrone and Lawler kind of mm-hmm. losing. It's kind of what was a division with a lot of contenders, and, you know, it's kind of cleared out, and nobody maybe other than Covington – is standing out as the yeah. the next guy up, you yeah, know. Bantamweight right. division has that; they have a TJ Dillashaw, a Cruz, even though he lost. He you know he's Dominic Cruz, and he's never lost at bantamweight before that right. fight. Um, so he you know he didn't have to fight Jimmy Rivera, and Jimmy Rivera is a guy who hasn't lost in how many years, no. you know. So he doesn't need to fight Dominic Cruz either to stake so his claim for the that shot. But, that's very true. Um, so it's definitely interesting, you know. Both fighters um, kind of taking
1: this challenge on just you know there's a lot to risk yeah there is that's a really good point i hadn't thought about it in that way that yeah R- rivera of course this is a good way to cement his position but with his record he he certainly could make the argument that he deserves the next shot anyway um yeah no i think it, i think it'll be interesting and it's hard for me to pick too it's hard i have no real sense of, of of which way to lean in this fight i think rivera keeps on getting better and better and he's just more than anything he's just really hard to beat i know that's like a vague and tangible thing oh, he's good in a lot of things He's just also hard to look good against, right? Like, he's just just tough to to really put away. He's tough to put in a bad, keep in a bad spot. Uh, He's tough to really shine on in any way. And at the end of the day, that's always a tough person to beat. Um, You know, Dominic Cruz has excelled when he he really gives people problems or he really makes them look bad. It'll be interesting to see if uh, at this stage of his career if he's capable of doing that against a, a younger top guy coming up.
0: Yeah. It's uh, it's definitely an intriguing fight. Fortunately, it's so far away.
1: <laughs> that's, <laughs> right. That's the one downside. We keep talking about it. We could have him on uh, frequently.
0: You know, UFC 217 is around the corner while we wait for uh, to get Jimmy Rivera on mm-hmm. the line. Um, do you think that, you know, talking about stacked cards, is that card as stacked as you think uh, 205 was? There's three title fights again. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. There's Bisping, St. Pierre, uh, yeah, Garbrandt, Dillashaw, the Bantamweight title fight, and then of course, you have Joanna, but uh, there's no Conor
1: McGregor. Right. But you have St. Pierre. Yeah. Do you think it's a wash? I think so. I mean, I think it's a great fight. I don't want to see St. Pierre fight anymore, but he's certainly um, as big a star as we've ever seen in, in MMA. So, no, I think I think that's a great card. And, and there's the history element, too, of him trying to win at welterweight, winning a second division. So, yeah, I think that's a phenomenal card. Let's see if uh, Jimmy
0: is available. Mm-hmm. I know these guys are uh, training for fights, though. So Jimmy's is a little bit further out. I love Hey Jimmy, how are you? Hey man, I thought you called me
4: at three twenty. It's three forty-five.
1: Oh, my apologies. I thought. Sorry about that. This is this is his co-host, Aliyah. Sorry, Jimmy. You still got a moment to talk now?
4: Yeah, I only got like ten minutes. That's it because what? I gotta run run my school. I got classes and stuff to teach and all that. Let's so, get sorry. it done.
1: Yeah. yeah, no, that's fine. Okay. Thanks for making it's time. My fault. No problem. So, Jimmy, I was were you pleasantly surprised to get this? This matchup, did you did you doubt that they would give you uh, another big name and some, an opportunity to really cement yourself a, a, as as a number one contender?
4: Um, I I wasn't surprised that they would. Um, I mean, UFC always pushes for fights and tells people, but you can't you know you can't make anybody say yes to fight you. And I was surprised that Cruz took the fight, but then after hearing him on the MMA Hour with Ariel Helwani. I understand why he took the fight. It was kind of either you know he fights or he's going to be kind of waiting maybe even longer for a title shot. So um, now I don't understand why he took the fight, and I, I'm you know I'm happy about it. I, it's it's great. He's a number one ranked guy. He's, he's the ex champ, and going in there and getting a win over him definitely can, you know gives me first dibs on the title.
0: You know, Cruz is an all time great and an MMA legend in his own right. You know, you you fought Uriah Faber at UFC 203 and beat him rather convincingly. Um, did that kind of fight against Faber prepare you to fight a dominant Cruz?
4: Uh, no, they're two different fighters, completely different, um, different styles and stuff like that. So I'm preparing right now for Cruz, and um, it's unique style. But I think a lot of people. I think the best person that fought, fought him was Cody. But I even I think Cody could have done better with it. And I've watched him fight with Johnson and TJ and Jorgensen and. Uh, uh, favor f- a few times they fall, like three or four times. So learning and watching him fight and all that, you know, it's all the same movements, all the same stuff. So I'm kind of study it and get a good grasp of it. And now I'm just, you know, training my game plan and working it, working his moves as well. And so this way, I'm prepared for everything.
1: Uh, Jimmy, I'm kind of curious. I mean, fighting a guy that does such funky, unconventional, and you know, textbook-wise like wrong things like Dominic Cruz that he's that he's still made work for him. I know this is a broad question, um, but I'd love your, your take on it if it makes any sense. Do you, when you look at a guy like that, do you, is a large part of what's your strategy? Basically, hey, I'm going to cut through this feints. I'm not going to bite on every single jerky movement. I'm just going to be me and go try to you know cut off the ring and go straight, uh, straight through this guy. That The reason so many people get, get stifled is because they're paying attention to everything he does and maybe getting a little frozen
4: they could be or they i think really a lot of people don't have you know listen to some of the corners and what they're telling them i mean some coaches you know were right on the money listening to them while i was watching the fights but the fighter didn't do it and some mm-hmm. coaches were way off and uh, i think it comes down to your coaching to the game plan and to you know your experience level in there and fighting and it's really important. i mean i've got 2022 20, fights just professional alone not counting you know boxing and kickboxing as an amateur and um amateur mma so i mean i have very good experience and looking at it and, and really dissecting his fight style um i can't give away obviously anything hmm. i'm going to do until cool. after the fight <laughs> but uh I, I feel ready and prepared for it you know what i mean i got plenty of time too so training t- camp started last friday and i got a whole three months to train for it so i'm looking forward to it,
1: what quality? And again, not don't give away your strategy, obviously. But what what quality do you think? We talked about what makes Dominic Cruz tricky. What what makes you a, a quality in yourself that makes you a hard, hard, hard ass fight for this former champion?
4: Well, I could always change my style up. I don't have to do a set thing. I'm not looking to always do a set thing. You know, every time I fight, it's a little bit different of a fight. I have my own attributes that. I use, but I don't, it's not always the same game plan for every, you know, every fight I fought Almeida and Almeida's game plan, you know, in the beginning was actually to kind of grind it out, take him down. And we decided halfway through the camp, we're going to stand up with him and, and kickboxing and did really well doing that. And all of a sudden, you know, third round, it's like, you know, let's secure the win and I got the takedown, but then I let him back up because I really wanted to knock him out. I was really hoping, you know, to really push and get that title shot and make even more of a name, but, he was game and he wasn't in there to lose at all. And he was wasn't accepting that loss, that, that uh that L so it was a tough fight, but it was a good fight, and I was able to be one of the best kickboxers in the division with kickboxing.
0: Nick, you mentioned that you're you started camp already. That's a, that's a three month camp that seems kind of longer than usual. Do you like to usually have these kind of longer camps or are you just taking advantage of all this advanced notice you've been given?
4: I mean, I love a long camp. The longer I get, the even better. You know, what I mean the more I can practice. I like it. You know, what I mean, if I could get three months all the time, I would love to do that. Fortunately, you know, you usually get eight weeks, and that's fine with me. You know, what I mean, eight weeks is, is is you know, you're used to that. That's the majority of what you get. But having an extra four weeks on top of that, it's it's even better. You know, what I mean, it's like a it's like a present. So I'm looking forward to having that extra time to really prepare for him too as well.
0: You know, there's this triangle kind of atop the division with Garbrandt, Dillashaw, and Cruz, and you're kind of this guy on the outside trying to crack your way in. Um, even, you know, you have, you haven't lost in how many years, how excited are you to kind of be the guy that kind of come in and disrupt this storyline triangle and force your way into this mix?
4: Uh, I'm super excited. I mean, this is an opportunity of a lifetime and this is the next step to get closer to the belt. And I think it's the most important step. And that's why, you know, I'm taking every advantage of that extra time of training. I was supposed to be on a honeymoon in November and in November, we just moved our honeymoon to next year. So this way I could train and be ready for the fight.
0: You have a very understanding wife.
4: Yes, yeah, she, she understands really well.
0: Did you have to make any concessions, book like a suite instead of a normal hotel room for the honeymoon to get her to switch?
4: No, no, nothing at all. She, uh, She's been training since she was four years old. In Tiger Showman's and I've known her for my whole life, and since we were kids, like eleven and twelve, I know her father for a long time. He's actually coached me a couple fights. She understands the sport, so when you have someone that understands the sport, understands meal prepping and all that, and all the training and time you need, and how you got to be selfish a little bit, um, it's great. You know what I mean? It makes uh, life a lot easier.
0: Forgive me for not knowing. Are you have you guys gotten married already, or is the wedding in November?
4: We got married last November. And we didn't get to go on a honeymoon because I was supposed to fight Brian Carraway. Mm-hmm. So he pulled out of his fight, and I was fucking pissed. So there we set up another honeymoon. We set up our actual honeymoon for November. figuring maybe I'll get on the number fourth card, but Cruz said he still needed more time, which then all of a sudden he said that he did it, and he could step in if TJ or Cody gets hurt. And then my manager, I go to my manager, like, what is this he's saying? He's ready, let's fight. So... That came about, and now, you know what I mean, I was hoping to fight the 4th of November, and this way you can enjoy the holidays, but it's not going to happen. I'm not going to be able to enjoy Thanksgiving or Christmas. I mean, New Year's, yeah, but uh, that's fine with me. I mean, that's the sacrifice you make being in this game and doing what you love to do.
0: Where are you guys going to go for the honeymoon?
4: Uh, Costa Rica.
0: Oh,
1: that's a nice, warm place. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we're gonna enjoy watching you fight, man. We appreciate the sacrifices uh you make and we appreciate you being on the show since it, we gotta definitely have you on again uh beforehand, man. Thanks so much for making time.
4: No, no problem at all. I'm sorry to cut it short, but like I like you know, most of these guys, you know, they, they just fight. I have a school I run with two hundred and fifty seven students and it was kids and adults all in New York City on East Twenty Third Street. So life is busy. Even when I'm not fighting, life is busy and I got you know, a new program of you know, three and four year old program over next weekend for tired cubs to call. Wow. I I got my school to run I you know, I you know, I got a, a wife at home and I got <laughs> you know, my training, so it's always busy. That's why I tell people my time is very limited. Like I only have a little bit of time before I have to go and do the next thing. So it's nice having like a Sunday and kind of relax a little bit, but that doesn't even happen when you have a house and you're, you know, doing new things to it for your wife or you have something out. There's always something to be done. So relaxing doesn't really you know, I always tell people, people always ask when are you gonna relax. I'm like, Yeah, when I die I can rest as much as I want. I need
1: to go to the Jimmy so, Rivera time management workshop. I know for real, for real. And and if you're on the east coast you got to check out jimmy's school and you guys got to get if you're not already training martial arts you should and you should check it out with him wonderful programs out there thanks jimmy thanks again, a lot man. guys
4: appreciate it have a good one you too jimmy's such
1: a great guy yeah it's always fun talking to him. Man. he he you know he, he seems real humble and easygoing. but when he when there's something that upsets him like brian Caraway or or scheduling or Dominic cruz he'll he'll, ta- he'll talk about it he's done it before with this he'll do it again seems like an earnest dude yeah, and,
0: uh, you know, another guy who's, you know, like Covington, finally getting a shot. He's, uh, um, you know, been in the UFC for a while now. He had that big come out against UFC uh, against Faber, UFC 203, and he's finally kind of worked his way yeah. in there. Um, and, and, you know, he's been given a hard road, and he's not a guy who backs down to challenges. He, he oh, kind well. of welcomes whatever gets put in front of him. That's true. Um, and if I'm remembering correctly, I think that that Caraway fight was supposed to happen that he was talking about was supposed to happen in January. Mm. Uh, so he was going to miss the holidays that time. Yep. yep, You know, so he's had a little bit of bad luck with uh with holidays. And the Almeida fight came in July. Uh, so, you know, Fourth of July
1: holidays <laughs> and um, Jimmy Rivera haven't worked out too well. But uh, no, but uh, his career's working out pretty well for him. So I know he's, he probably always wants to make his opponents pay for all that. So got yeah it's cool talking to i you. guess that's to uh, that again one way to take out your frustrations you is got too, to, right? man you you mm-hmm. make every every single fighter uh that's cutting weight for example uh they're they're thinking about about making their opponent pay for that even though they all do it they all <laughs> they all to to make them pay they're they're the reason why you haven't slept well in in three months you're the reason why they're hungry this and that so um it's it's a little uh, in a sport where most people respect each other and they're not they don't have any real personal things against each other uh that's that's i think where a lot of them draw that motivation and that's why you see them get so pissed when someone misses weight it's not that they don't empathize it's that like geez, i did it i went through this hell and and i was able to make it happen mike what did you think of the, the interview um, besides the fact that Jimmy Rivera is ridiculously busy, I think it's <laughs> great. Um, I'm interested in this fight. You know, I think uh, him and uh, he's that guy that, like you said, Mike. He takes away that triangle of Cody, TJ, Dominic, and I'd like to see. It's listening to him talk. I'm more interested to see how he can break through and be the next title contender.
0: He makes things interesting. You know, yeah. if he comes in and disrupts everything, it, it makes it interesting. You know, as interesting as three guys being at top of the division, you know. If Garbrandt beats Dillashaw, um, you know, then the UFC could have just put Cruz back up there. And, you know, if that if he beat Garbrandt, then you have the Dillashaw rematch. Or if uh, Garbrandt beat Cruz in that match, then you have his Dillashaw rematch. So, you know, there were so many things right there. But then Jimmy Rivera coming in doesn't necessarily kill all that. It just adds another yeah. wrinkle of intrigue. Like, you still That's have right. the – he beats – uh, you know, if he wins the title, then there's these four guys kind of on this rotation and that division's kind of set for a while. Yeah. And this is a, an entertaining division. I, I was listening to a discussion. I want to say it was on the Luke Thomas show, mm. but it was RJ uh, Clifford, I think mm. filling in for him. Yeah. They were talking about the titles and the interim titles and the legitimacy in the division. They were talking about the bantamweight division as being the legitimate mm. division in the UFC. And, you know, like we were talking about the meritocracy meritocracy mm-hmm. uh, of this fight with Jimmy Rivera and Dominic Cruz that's you know
1: hard to dispute yeah no it's a, i mean it's a great division it's it's as it's, it's good as it gets at the top and uh the matchups that they're making are pretty good so far <laughs> they're the right ones it makes yeah yeah absolutely well it's gonna be a super entertaining fight
0: um thank you for everybody who tuned in to watch um make sure to always tune in wednesdays 3 p.m eastern 2 p.m central we got mike p working the uh the facebook chat so um Next time when we have maybe less guests and more time to just kind of talk MMA, you guys can chime in with some questions and we'll answer your questions on the show and kind of make you a part of it. Um, But don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, YouTube, wherever you uh, prefer to um, consume podcasts, we're there. Uh, But thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you next week.